Heavenly Father, thank you for your wisdom in a world full of data, full of advice, full of opinions, including what feels like a never-ending amount of our own. Thank you that you speak with clarity. Thank you that you speak with precision. Thank you, always speak with, you're just full of grace and truth. We're never led poorly or led astray when we come and hear from you. And so God, in this world full of so much information, would your voice be loudest? What every single person in this room needs most, whether we came in knowing Christ for 70 years, not yet even knowing who he is and how great he is, and everything in between, God, what we need most is to leave this place more impressed with King Jesus, so I ask that you would make him loud in our songs, in our prayers, our conversations, God, during communion, in our benediction, and through this sermon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love a good life hack. Anyone else? Things like simple things that you just modify that are very doable that make your life a lot better. I was thinking about one that I learned, I don't know, probably like 10 or 12 years ago. This last week I was making tacos. Family does tacos almost every week. Um, and so I don't know about you. We've gotten to the place we used to like really spec out like different meals and explore stuff. But we have four kids. We're busy. And so we just do the same, same, seven, same, meals, same seven meals every single week on repeat. But one of the things I learned making tacos, it was someone that we were in a gospel community with. And, and she said, oh, when you make tacos, do you use a potato masher? And I said, no, why would you ever use a potato masher when you make tacos? Does anyone here use a potato masher when you make tacos? One person. And it's amazing. I tried it. It was incredible. Here's what it does. It makes every piece of meat super even. It's like everything goes in there perfectly. You know, sometimes when you have tacos, you have like one huge meatball chunk and then all these little grainy pieces. It makes it absolutely, it will, it will change your life. It will, you should be writing this down. Potato masher and tacos will absolutely radically change your life. How about grilling chicken? I love grilled chicken. And I'm terrible at making grilled chicken. I have destroyed decades worth of grilling chicken because I always am like, well, I don't want the family to get sick. I don't want our guests to get sick. And so I always overcook it. And then my brother, a couple years ago, he bought me one of those instant read thermometers. It's incredible. Chicken, moistest chicken you've ever had in your entire life. One simple little change. Here's the most recent one, grilling hamburgers. Grill hamburgers, you know, you get the cheese on, you try to get all the buns ready, you get everything ready to go, and the burgers are done, and you got to get them from, from the grill into the house as quickly as possible so they don't start to, to cool down, and, and the grease isn't dripping everywhere, and so I would always go out, I'd have at least like one platter, or I'd get two platters, and you put half of them on, one platter, and you take it in as quick as you can, then you do the next one, you take it in, but there's always like, you know how the burgers, it's always like either going over the edge, because it's always a little scalped as a plate, or the cheese starts to kind of melt down, and it touches the other burgers burgers, and then one person gets like double cheese and someone gets no cheese, cookie sheet. It's amazing. An edged cookie sheet, it's flat, it's big, it's in, it will change your life. That's why you came to church. Potato mashers and cookie sheets, bakey sheets. Um, I love it when life works better. This is a how life works better text. And it's a how life works better text in one of the most powerful areas of your life, Money. We're going to look at three things today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Honor the Lord with all your wealth. Welcome the Lord's discipline in every area of your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Honor the Lord with all your wealth. Welcome the Lord's discipline 
in every area of your life. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, would you stand with me? This is God's helpful, flawless, life-changing word. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Feel free to grab a seat. Before we talk money, and really specifically verse 9 and what it looks like to honor the Lord with our wealth, I want to I set the table by making a couple of, of statements um, to, to orient us, to try to prime us to hear God's instruction here. Um, I think maybe this is the most important thing to, to state up front. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. There's not a single part in the Bible that is instructing us on what to do with our money because God is somehow impoverished. I think it was A.W. Tozer who said something like this, need is a creature word. It never applies to God. He needs nothing. Let me give you a little Latin phrase to, to clarify this, a little phrase, ex nihilo, means out of nothing. When you go to Genesis 1, God spoke and everything came to be. He can generate out of nothing everything. He doesn't need your money. This text, the commands in this text, the patterns in this text, what it's instructing and directing us toward, and we could say it in all of life is true, but applied verse 9 and 10 to the area of money, it's all for our good. Verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace he'll add to you. Verse 4, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Verse 6, and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You won't end up in ditches. Verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's, a way, it's a, another way of saying you'll flourish. Verse 10, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. God doesn't need your money. Probably one of the things that um, I've heard more than anything else, and if somebody doesn't like church and doesn't like uh, pastors or, or church leaders, it's typically something like this. They talk too much about money. They just want your money. So let me say something else. God doesn't need your money. Redeemer Church doesn't need your money. I mean, we need money. Don't get me wrong. We just don't need your money. We are so grateful. I don't want you to hear that flippantly. Oh, we are so grateful as a part of this community for our partnership in the gospel. But at the end of the day, we believe a God who can create everything out of nothing can supply whatever we need to do the stuff he's calling us to do. This series that we're doing in Net Worth as we spend this many weeks talking about money and possessions, it's not about increasing the budget. It's not about you know, growing giving. 
whatever the Lord chooses to do with it, the Lord chooses to do. But that's not why we did it. Here's why we designed this series. For your good. For my good. As people want to have our lives conform to the pattern of God's word. Again, think of these, these verses. This is a, a benefits-laden text out of Proverbs 3, saying this is how life works best. All right, God doesn't need your money. Redeemer Church doesn't need your money. Mr. Miyagi doesn't need you to wash his cars. Anyone? 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 I know. It's like some of you are going, yes, I get it. Some of you are like, that makes no sense. So I'm going to spend the next 18 minutes trying to explain this illustration to you to maybe have it not land. Okay, so here's where I'm going with this. comes from a movie called The Karate Kid, one of my favorite movies as a child. came out, I believe, in 1984. And the plot of this movie is there's Daniel LaRusso. He's a 17-year-old. He's living in an apartment, and he's trying to teach himself karate by reading books on karate. And so he's trying to learn how to do this, and it's kind of going not that great. And then he ends up intersecting, his life intersects with a guy named Mr. Miyagi. He's, a, he, he's from Japan and he is the, the he, he kind of the apartment manager. He fixes all the stuff, cares for all, and he finds out that Daniel's trying to learn karate and he's a karate master. And so through a series of events, their lives intersect and he says, okay, Daniel, I will teach you karate. He's like, oh my goodness, that'd be amazing. He says, okay, what, what do I do? He says, come to my house. And when you come to my house, I'm going to teach you karate. And so Daniel became known as Daniel's son. Daniel's son comes over to Mr. Miyagi's house and he says, okay, I'm here. I'm ready to learn karate. Tell me what to do. And he says, okay, here's your first lesson. This is really important. And he hands him a bucket with soap in it and sponge. And he says, I want you to go wash and wax all of my cars. And there's this moment where he's like, what? I'm going to wash and wax. I'm just going to do chores for you. And so he goes off and he washes. He's got Mr. Miyagi had all these really cool classic cars. And he goes and he washes them. And then he begins to wax them. And Mr. Miyagi says, there's a way to do it. You got to do it a certain way. You need to put the wax on like this. You got to take the wax off like this. The wax on like this. The wax off like this. So he does. He goes and he does it. And he comes and says, okay, Mr. Miyagi, okay, I did the stuff you asked me to do. Now would you teach me karate? He says, yes, I will. I'll teach you karate. So he hands him a, a bucket of paint and, and a brush. He says, now I want you to go paint my house. He's like, well, you want me to paint your house? He's like, yeah, I want you to paint my, my house. You want to help learn karate? So go paint my house. He's, so he goes over and he starts taking the brush and he's whacking it around wherever he wants. He says, no, 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 not like that. You need to take a stroke up and a stroke down. A stroke up and a stroke down. A stroke up and a stroke down. And he says, okay, do that, finish painting my house. And so then Daniel, he, he paints the house, he's washed and waxed the cars. And at this point, he's just super frustrated. He's like, I came over here to learn karate, not to do a bunch of chores for you. He says, I've been teaching you karate. Like, Daniel's like, well, how have you been teaching me karate? He says, well, let me show you. He says, stand in front of me. And so Mr. Miyagi says, okay, you remember how I told you I like to wax on and wax off? Like, you know, wax on, wax off. Brandon, would you help me out with this? Do you mind? And if you do, I'm mean, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna, I, you know, okay. But don't, don't, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna punch at you, okay? Because I was gonna say, you could punch it, you could punch at me, but we're the same height right now, and you're on the carpet, and I'm on a pedestal here. So come on up, come on up. All right, so, so, and I'm trusting because we're about the same vintage that you have seen the karate kid. You forgot paint the fence. Yeah, well, no, I did, oh, paint the fence. So I did the paint the house. Okay, all right, so, all right, so, so Mr. Miller's like, I've taught you karate, I guarantee it. All right, ready? Wax on. Okay. Wax off. Okay. Uh, paint the fence. Paint the fence. I don't know. So it's like, see what I'm saying? Thank you. All right, Brandon. How that relates to this sermon, I have no idea. But somebody bet me. They said, you cannot integrate this into a sermon. 
It's not true. Like, God is giving us wisdom and instruction for how to order our lives, but on first pass, you might be like, that doesn't make sense. That, how, I don't know if that's going to work out. Like, the, the, the sermon, the takeaway, the life hack is give, save, spend. We hear it. We go, I don't know if I, I can I really trust? Can I, can I really order my life? Can I really pattern how I think about finances that way? I was 2001, I was going to Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, getting a Master of Divinity, and I was having lunch with Dr. Walt Kaiser, who's the seminary uh, president at the time, and he would have lunch with uh, gr- different groups of students. I think it was my first uh, semester there. And I was sitting at the table, sitting at this lunch table with just a handful of uh, fellow classmates, and, and some doctrine came up, some, 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 something that the Christians sometimes fight about or disagree about. Um, but some doctrine comes up, and, and Dr. Kaiser was, was presenting this. And, and I remember I, I, I picked an argument with him. He wrote his first book five years before I was born, just to give some context. He's published at least 37 books. He's the president of the seminary. I hadn't read through my entire Bible at this point of my life, but I decided to pick a huge fight with him, telling him what he thought was unbiblical and dumb. And I was wrong, but boy, I argued like I was right. Why did I do it? Well, because I am dumb. But more to the point, it's like I didn't get this text. Particularly things like verse five. Listen to this. This this one verse alone would transform your life if we'd apply it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Or maybe this one, verse seven. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Those verses, particularly verse five, are so familiar to to some of us. Let me me read a couple different translations just to try to get them to maybe be heard through, through new ears of what's being said. This comes from the New Living Translation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. I love this last little phrase here. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Or this one from the message, a paraphrase of the Bible. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. You know, Daniel didn't get it. He said, like, I know how I'm supposed to learn this. I, I, and you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Honor the Lord with all your wealth. It's where this text goes. I, when, I don't know if I've heard a sermon on this, but I hear people reference this verse nine and verse 10, you know, honor the Lord with the, your, your wealth, with the first fruits. And, and oftentimes when it's quoted, it's, it's pulled out of the surrounding verses. But I think God masterfully architected the flow of this. He begins with, trust me. And then applies that, that, that statement into an area that's often very difficult for us to trust God in or to trust anyone, to have a sense of calm and structure and order, which is in the area of our finances. It's really important not to disconnect verses 9 and 10 from verses 1 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Then honor the Lord with all your wealth. 
The book of Proverbs, these 31 chapters, what's known as wisdom literature, is God's um, patterns and principles for, for wise living in a very precarious and confusing world. And it's loaded with God's wisdom around money and possessions, how we build wealth, what we do with it, how we handle it. And I think God talks about money so much because he knows how powerful it is. It's like nuclear power. It's like you can illuminate a city or absolutely destroy it with the very same technology as just how you apply it. Far too often, though, we have a tendency in the area of wealth to say, don't touch Hands off this here. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to engage with it. There's a lot that's embedded in verse 9. Let me read it to you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. There's a lot embedded. It's comprehensive in scope. And there's also a pattern that is established. The word honor, it's the same word that, that's translated glory. It means, it means a, a, a brightness, or, or it can be translated like a weightiness. When it says to honor the Lord with your wealth, saying let him have the glory, let him have the weight that all of your financial choices begin to orbit around. As I said, the, the book of Proverbs unpacks, or it has a lot to say about money and possessions, and unpacks really these two verses over and over. It talks about generosity and what it looks like to be giving and to care for those that are under-resourced. It talks a lot about how we make money, righteous pathways to make money, unrighteous ways to make money, it talks about saving. The book of Proverbs talks about saving. It talks about leaving an inheritance for your children's children. And how do we put things aside when we, when we, so when we need them, they're there. It also talks about enjoying good gifts as a way of honoring God with the things that he provides. Honoring the Lord is, an, is it, it, it's comprehensive, talking about how we, what we spend and how we save and how we give. It's talking about how we order what we spend and we save and we give around what honors God. It's comprehensive like that, but, but that's not the order, actually. It's not, it's not spend, save, give. The life hack is this. It's give, save, spend. Super simple. Not easy, but really clear. That's what's loaded into this. Which the first fruits, the, the first and the best that you receive, we give, we save, and we spend. The message says it like this. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Okay, the first and the best. Well, okay, well, how much? What does that mean? What's that look like? We're gonna try to answer that a little bit next week, but this week, I, I really just wanna focus on here is the pattern. Here's the biblical pattern. Give, save, spend. And I want you to hear, it's not just give. It's not just save. It's not just spend. It's, it's all three of them in right proportion and relationship because each of them impacts the other ones. They inform one another. Let me try to, let me try to illustrate this for you. Let me try to see if I can, can illustrate this sort of give, save, spend rhythm. So some of you uh, came across this in, um, in Steve Covey, and he talks about like big rocks or maybe like a science experiment with like, like rocks and pebbles and, and water. And so I, I want to try to pull this off. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, but this sort of give, save, spend, and why the, the order is so important and why the, the, so the order is so important because if you don't get the order right, you can't do all of it. But I'm not going to use 
I'm, I'm getting all tangled up here, getting all tangled up. But I'm not going to use rocks and pebbles and, and water because, because that's not as delicious. So I'm going to use, we're going to start with like, like this big bowl of save, big bowl of save. Now what's in here is one of my favorite candies, M&M's, okay? So we'll see if I can do this. Oh, oh. Well, the children will have a heyday down there later to death. Okay? So this represents the spend. You got to spend a lot. The, the life is expensive and things cost money. You know, I got my mortgage. I got insurance. I got, you know, I'm going to go out to Carnal, enjoy just a phenomenal meal. I want to go on a fun vacation. Like, so, okay, I got, I got my delicious, my delicious, my delicious spend bucket there. But, you know, some of us, like, we, 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 you got you to save. You go, I, okay, at some point I might want to retire. At some point I might have, like, my car breaks down. I need money to pay for it. I need to do that. So then we add something else that's delicious, which I chose Kit Kats because I love Kit Kats. They're delicious, right? So I say, okay, I'm going to load my, so I got my, I got my spend and I got my save, okay? But then you got your give, Okay. And I chose these because, you know, like Mike and Ike. So I don't know anybody that likes a Mike and Ike more than a Kit Kat or an M&M. Okay, one person likes to, you can have these when I am done. I'll chuck you this box, okay. But, but like if you do, the, you, do the, you do the spend and you do the save and then, then you go to try to actually do the give, you know, it just, it doesn't fit, right? You can't, you can't get the lid on it. It just doesn't work. There's no more room, okay? So let's see if I can fix it. All right, so we'll take this out. We'll take our Kit Kats out. See how fast I can do this, how many things I can say on the side while I'm waiting to do it. Right, we do that, and we go back to this, and we say, and we pour a bunch of chalk into Corbin's petals. Um, sorry, Corbin. Okay, all right, so what's the biblical pattern? What's the, what's the life hack? Just give me the three things. What's the life hack? All right. Give, save, spend. Start, start with the Sour Patch Kids and the nerds and the junior mints, okay? Hope this works. If it doesn't, this will be embarrassing, okay? So we do the, the give, right? Then we do the, we do the save. I hope this, is, this isn't just informative. It's delicious, okay? And I do that. All right. So give. Save, right? And then we do the spend. And we hope it all gets in. We hope it just, oh, not that one. Oh, not that one. No, we just, just, just do this. We'll do this. And we add a little bit more. And then we stop because we realized we were overspending to begin with. So we just put that... <laughs> We just put that to the side. Okay. Give, save, spend. It doesn't just work. It's yummy. Like, I'll just leave that there for you. Felt so bad after the first service, this poor little kid came up. He watched the whole sermon. He comes up and he just was like, come on, give me some. I'm like, buddy, I can't. Come back after the second service. I need it for the next one. Give, save, spend. I mean, the, the pattern matters. And, I, and why do you think that illustration is so helpful is that, that God is architecting saying, this is how to order things. And if you do it in the right order, then you're able to do all three. If you don't do it in the right order, there, there is going to be something left out, which for most people is typically give. When it is the last thing you do, it's typically the thing that doesn't get 
done. Let me give you a little bit of the result. This is a result-oriented text. There's a big result that comes in, in verse 10, but let me give you the one that's in verse 9, which is even better. The Lord is honored. The Lord's honored. It's not a small thing. The Lord is honored. As I already said, this, is a, this word for, for glory or weightiness, it's a way of saying the Lord is worshiped with the way we steward our resources when we, when we follow his pattern. When you put your credit card down to pay for something, you're saying this thing is this valuable to me. This is what it's worth. I'm, I'm willing to exchange my currency for this other thing because it's valuable to me. So for me, Make Worth Coffee, when I go to Make Worth, it is, it's worth it to me. When I put down my card for a 6 or $7 pour over, you know, pour over coffee, it's just the, the smell of it, the t- just every aspect, the mouthfeel of it, it's just like that is worth it to me. For my dad, it would not be, it would not be worth. He, he's like 25 cents out of a vending machine coffee guy. When he wants to treat himself, he might go to AM, PM. But to me, it's worth it. That cappuccino is, is worth it. When I'm exchanging my mind, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm ascribing value by what I purchase. Giving to God our first and the best is a way of saying, God, you are worth it. I'm ascribing value to you, saying, oh, you are worthy of this. And by doing it first, we're saying that's how worthy you are. That's that important to me that I'm gonna, I'm gonna architect the decisions of my life I'm going to architect what I save and what I spend. I'm I'm going to try to get the big rocks in first. I'm going to try to get the most important thing in first. Not even that it might be the biggest volume of things, but it's got to go in the right place or nothing else will work around it. The Lord is honored and life works best. I mean, one of the benefits of taking God's wisdom, there's a billion, so the Lord is honored, but one of his is well-ordered finances. It's being in a, a place where the way you think about the things that God entrusts you with, that you, that you hold them and you architect them, them, them well. One of the things is the ability to spend because you've actually saved. The ability to, like, to do something you thought you couldn't do because you actually put the rhythm correctly. Um, one of the ways that you do it, like how do you have enough to provide for the things you want to provide for? One of them is that you save, you, you're not gonna win Powerball, and so you have to actually save for future big purchases. I think about this, one of them is by practicing restraint. It's one of the messages in Proverbs, and this whole save perspective is that you're saying, I'm not gonna use it all now if I can, and I know this doesn't apply to everyone in this room in the same way as the same seasons of your life. I wanna recognize that. But that you try to adopt this rhythm wherever you're at, and one of the ways that you do it is by practicing restraint. Proverbs 21.20, I think it's a wonderful verse on, on saving Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Saying they both had it. One just blew through it. The other one used some of it and kept some of it. I'll give you an illustration for this. I have some friends. They're, they're probably 10 plus years older than me. Their kids are kind of in that next level. Um, and one of the things that, that they were able to do like 10 years ago is they sent, they were able to pay for their kids all to go to college, so they're able to come out of college with, with no debt. They're able to say, and I'm, this is not a commentary on whether you've done it, you haven't done it, whether you value college, you don't value college, what, what you think of debt forgiveness, blah, I don't want, that's not what I'm talking about. They were just able to send their kids to college, and they said what was interesting is a bunch of our peers, a bunch of our friends whose kids also were the same age that we all grew up with, they would come to us and say, you are so lucky to be able to have sent your kids to college. And I love the response. This couple loves Jesus. They love Jesus. They know it's all by his grace, but they said this. They go, frankly, it was not luck. 
It was millions and millions of tiny decisions that started when I was 20. And they said, we made the same amount of money as all of our peers. We, did, we, we grew up in the same sort of environment. The difference was, and again, put this through whatever grid you need to, I realize finance is a, is a tricky thing, and we all got different stuff. But they said it was millions and millions of decisions. When you chose that vacation, we chose to camp. Or when you chose to upgrade this appliance, we chose to keep ours another five years. I mean, it was, it was just millions and millions of tiny decisions allowed them to do this. This is give, save, spend. This well-ordered finance. And it's not just the ability to pay for big expenses. Let me give you the biggest reason. That, that, well, I'll give you the second biggest reason. The biggest reason that you honor the Lord. The second biggest reason is this, that you don't get enslaved to debt. Our world is swimming in it. Swimming. We are up to our eyeballs and sometimes above our heads. And this is in no way shaded me or anyone else in this room. But we are swimming in debt because we flipped the pattern. Or, or maybe we've replaced the pattern. It's give, give, give. Or spend, spend, spend. Credit card debt, $787 billion in America. That means 14241 per household. Student loan debt, 37172 if you take a household, like a household debt, over $50,000 of student, that, that's like the average. And there's a bunch of people that don't have any. Their personal loans, home equity line of credits, auto loans, and all these things. Whether you say like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a down payment, I'm investing on my future. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with any of it. I'm just, I'm just trying to illustrate we, are, we got a lot of debt. Trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. Auto loans, $1.42 trillion of auto loan debt. That's 31142 per household. And it matters for so many reasons. I, like, th this text is like, it'll make straight your path. So it'll be refreshment to your bones. Like, it'll, be, it'll be health and healing for you. And yet one of the primary things that many of us in this room are struggling with is in the area of, of finance. It's, just this, it's like this looming storm that always feels like it's back there. And I don't know the reasons. And some of them, oh, they, they, they could be beyond the things. All you can do is what you can control. But, but then we apply a text like this and say, okay, give, save, spend. The things that I've or, ordered my life around. You know, and I, I, want, I want us to avoid, I mean, it's kind of a sad situation where you start talking about giving, you start talking about, as we did the first week, storing up treasure in heaven, maximizing impact, maximizing our joy. Is that sometimes, and I'm not putting this on anyone, I'm trying to be as gentle as I can because it's applied to me as, as much as anyone. But sometimes we so spend ourselves into a corner through our choices that we couldn't give if we wanted to. We upgrade, we upgrade, we upgrade, we add, we... And God does it like, this text is a for us text that we might flourish. Give, save, spend, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Honor the Lord with all your wealth. Welcome the Lord's discipline in every area of life. That's where this text goes. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father and a son in whom he delights. I don't want to assume that there's, there's no conviction in this room right now. I made a comment to Pete, our community life pastor, 
two weeks ago, something like that, or last week, I, I said, Katie and I, my wife Katie and I, I said, Pete, man, I've been, he's kind of asking, how are you doing through the series? You know, how are you feeling about it? I said, man, I gotta be honest, I've been surprisingly convicted through this series. And he goes, well, I thought the guy with the mic had, all, had it all figured out, and he just kind of laughed because he knows it's not true. I'm, I'm often convicted as I study the word of God and I prepare sermons, but I have been personally convicted in ways that I did not expect, and I'll share some of that next week with you. But what do you do with that conviction? What do you do like if God's kind of knocking on you and saying, hey, here's the pattern, and it starts to apply to you and say, that, my choices don't align with God's pattern. What do you do with that? Um, I would say you flip the pairings of verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. To take these pairings, despise discipline, weary of reproof, maybe what we do is we welcome his discipline and we rejoice in his correction. Probably the place where I've seen this work out, um, probably the, the, the best of this sort of like invasive, like get into your lives, point out the things that aren't where they need to be so that they can get better and you can get better. Probably the place that I've seen it work out the best is a place called Gritworks. It's a, a performance gym uh, out on, on the guy. They work with a ton, particularly of, of, of youth athletes. Just an incredible place. The guys that run it are, are wonderful. My kids had trained out there a handful of times. And so I would go out there and what we'd watch is this, is this really interesting process that they do. They basically, they, they, they kind of get into your life. They get into your physiology. They get into your ability. So they'll, they'll put heart rate monitors on you, work you out till you're about ready to pass out and let you sit for, for 60 seconds to see how quick does your heart rate drop to see like where's your fitness level. They check like your standing vert, your running vert, your, your agility, how much you can, you know, your stretch, you know, do you have any strength imbalances? They put you on like this machine that tells you this is what you weigh and they shoot like electrical currents through you to tell you like any imbalance, any, anything, anything that an athlete would want to know in order to become a better athlete. Talk about your nutrition, talk about your sleep patterns, talk about all these things. It's like some of the most invasive stuff that I can think of. Someone getting into your life to that extent, and the athletes, they love it. They love it. They can't get enough of it, and here's why. They want to get better. They trust the trainers, and so they listen. This text, the Lord wants you to get better, He's your father and a son or a daughter in whom he delights. And so how do we receive it? This posture of conviction that comes. You delight in it. You welcome the reproof. That word discipline, there's another part of it that's really helpful. It's not just about posture, but also practice. The discipline, okay, I want the posture of receiving what the Lord wants to tell me, but I also want to take that word and put it into practice. The word discipline, it's not just for correction, but it's about well-ordered effort. It's a, it's a work hard Word. It's a training word. It's a make a plan and follow it word. Wherever you're at, wherever I'm at, wherever we're at, and this give, save, spend pattern of order in our lives is where we're at. But it doesn't have to be where we stay. There's little things that we can do. There's big things we can do. There's tweaks that we can make if you're not aligned to the extent that you're not aligned to this pattern. And even the small changes can actually make a huge difference. That's James Clear in his book, uh, atomic habits, that's, that's his encouragement. He says stuff like this, all big things come from small beginnings. The seed of every habit is a single tiny decision. I think sometimes the pushback on embracing the gift safe spend that I've run into with people over the years is, well, I, I can't do that much. Yeah, but can you, do, can you do something? Can you start somewhere? Can you begin this different rhythm and pattern and over time see it actually create some change? 
I love this other line from James Clear. He says this, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. So we could take it like this. Every, every place that you put something, you put your currency, is a vote for, for, for the type of person you want to become. This give, save, spend, or perhaps a different order. Let me give you, I'm not going to do a ton of practical handles right now. Um, I do want to give you a couple, though, I think would be helpful. Um, Decide, so if we're going to take give, save, spend, here's what I would suggest. Decide what the baseline target is for giving and then for spending or, and then for saving. We're going to talk more about this next week on like, what, should there be a baseline target? Is there not? We'll, we'll, do, we'll, do a little bit of, we'll do a little bit of interaction on that. But you got to have a target. If you don't know it has to go in here, you're never going to architect things in your life to be able to get the big stuff in there. So define what the target is and then everyone's favorite thing to do Make a budget and actually track your expenses. Hallelujah. Anyone in here just like love budgets? So one thing I actually require when I do a wedding is I'm, I say, I will not do your wedding if you don't do a budget. And like, really? I'm like, yes, it matters that much. And here's why. You can't architect this. You can't figure out the gifts they spend without actually getting a budget. You can't do it. You just, you, you might stumble into it, but most likely won't. And then you actually got to track what you spend. And here's why. You want to see the, you want to see the congruence or the disconnect between the targets you set and what's actually happening. Step three, you start to make necessary changes to move in the direction God wants you to head. And this is the one where you're like, stay out of my stuff and I'm not going to. So like, it's going to impact things. Sometimes you got to leave a little bit of the spend in the bowl because you can't do it all. It might impact whether you got the iPhone or not. It might impact the type of trip you want. It might impact the type of cable you have. It might impact the kind of car you drive. It likely will. To be able to do this well, it will likely impact how you're able to do some of those things. Fourth, ask for help from others that are good at it if you're stuck and you don't know what to do. How to keep the right posture. This posture of reception. Give, save, spend. It's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Often we'll get tired or frustrated and we'll give up. Let me give you a few words out of this text that are helpful. Lord, Father, Son, Love, Delight. I remind you the one speaking, the Lord who made everything out of nothing, who is infinitely wise, infinitely good, infinitely merciful, infinitely gracious, presenting himself as a father. It's what I love about this passage. It's a, it's a father to son text or a father to daughter text. It's like raising your children. I mean, for the parents in the room, don't you want your kids to be able to, to have well-ordered finances so they're not struggling and suffering under foolish decisions? I know I want that. With my, I, I built, I've, I've lectured my kids on this uh, over and over and over again. You know the song, If I Had a Million Dollars. I've looked at them. I went around the house. I said, hey, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? And they say, well, don't use me as a sermon illustration. I said, I won't. Wink, wink. And then, I'm just joking. I always have permission. What would you do? And they always say, give, save, spend. I said, yes. Like we want to instruct, it's a father to a child who, then look at this, who's delighted in and loved. The New Living Translation says that, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Or the message, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friend, Resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. It's the child he loves that corrects a father's delight. 
that's behind all of this. At GritWorks, one of the, one of the guys I got to know really well is a guy named Michael Teta. And just an incredible, he loves Jesus. He used to be a professional uh, sounder, a professional soccer player. Just an incredibly wonderful guy. And, he, and his, his athletes listen to him because he is so gifted at what he does. But you know the biggest reason they listen to him? Because they know how deeply he loves them. He knows that they, all he wants is their best and their, their flourishing. How much more the Lord, our Father, with sons and daughters in whom he delights. I'll end with this. You heard me say, um, I've been surprised. I really have been legitimately surprised by the degree of conviction I've felt through this series. Here's what I have not felt. Condemnation. And there's a huge difference. That tapping that God does that says, hey, I want you to address this part of your life is very different than I'm judging you for it. And the only reason that I haven't felt condemnation is because of Christ. See, that's where we take this. That's where we take, like, wherever we fall off, wherever we have failed to, to trust in the Lord with all our hearts in every area of our life, including finances, here's where it can propel us. We can have these moments of conviction. We don't have to posture or pretend or pose or, or stiff arm or ignore or minimize because we get to go to Christ, who is the true son. If you take a text like this, here's what's stunning. He's the true son who always trusted in the Lord with all his heart, who never leaned on his own understanding, who was never wise in his own eyes, and who did not just bring the first fruits of everything he had. He brought the very best himself. Where he went to a cross and he gave everything to purchase us from our debt that we might share in his riches and inheritance and rose from the dead to promise a coming kingdom where he is going to bring all of the things that we typically overspend to get now that will just come in the new creation. It, it removes, it can remove all of the judgment. See, there's none of it left for us. There's just sons and daughters with a great big brother who's done all the obeying that we ever need to do so that we can just learn to follow his pattern, not to prove something and not to earn something, but to honor the Lord that would provide his very son that we might be his. Give, save, spend, Jesus. Or maybe we should say it like this, Jesus. Jesus, give, save, spend. Let's pray. Father, what a, what a blessing. Texts like this, length of days in peace, favor and good success, straight paths, healing to our flesh, refreshment to our bones, freedom from debt, ability to give, barns filled, better than everything. Our good Lord honored. I ask that you continue to use this time and use this series and use your word to grow us in every area that we might be more like Christ. Thank you for his generosity. It's in the over, the superabundance of his grace that we get to bring our sometimes obedient, sometimes disobedient, wandering, waving, sometimes committed, sometimes sloppy lives. Thank you for the wisdom of your word. Thank you for the mercy of your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.